en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skriftierlik. Time for the weather update. We can get ready for a hot, humid summer. But I'll have to tune you. I can't handle the humidity. Makes me feel so hot and uncomfortable, man. I mean, I even sweat in the shower. I have to change my clothes. Skip the morning. Just say, skip now. Okay, skipping to the kiff stuff. It's summer. Time to do the things you smock. Download the MTN app today and skip to the kiff stuff with MTN. Share our passion for life on 657 AM, 657 AM. That's where you tune to and a warm-hearted good morning to you. And uh, getting all the pleasantries behind us, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, good morning, how are you keeping? Uh, today, what is it, 23rd of January, it's eight minutes, eight minutes after 11 o'clock. How are you keeping, sir? Yeah, very well. A bit sleep-deprived, but otherwise good. Yeah, well, uh, for those who do not know, uh, there's a new addition to the family. Little J- Judah uh, was born not so long ago, seven yeah. weeks ago, was yeah, it? Yeah, 4th of December. He was um, in a hurry. He was meant to be born around the 31st of December, but he decided he's going to join us four weeks premature. Yeah. And so um, he came along. We've had an interesting, interesting season. I've he, had some leave, so yeah. I've had about seven weeks of leave. Um and, uh, but no, nothing, nothing about leave. I mean, Mum and little Judah spent some time already yes. in the hospital yeah, and yeah. a we couple had of a challenges. Emergency time with Maxine, yeah. my wife. Um, she had an emergency DNC a couple of weeks back, and then Judah um, contracted meningitis. We're not sure where he got that from, but uh, ten days him and her spent again in hospital. So we had uh, a difficult period. I don't think leave is very good for me. Um, I'm very glad to be back here today and i'll be back in the pulpit this coming lord's day lord willing and um very excited to get back into it but wow, uh, mom and baby doing very well they've yeah. been back just over a week now from hospital and we thank the lord he has been very merciful to us we've seen the love of the saints yeah. during that period and um just so much that I could testify about his kindness yeah. towards us in this period. Wishing you all of the best for 2024, you and the congregation, especially the family, little Judah and mm. uh, Simeon and Levi and the whole family, uh, wishing you all of the best. By the way, you want to meet this man face-to-face, hop onto uh, Facebook right now. We're live streaming. They are sitting all uh, dressed up, nowhere to go, ready and raring. <laughs> and uh, also on the YouTube uh, channel, uh, you can meet him uh, face-to-face there. The program will be live streaming, will be available afterwards, as well as we'll podcast it as well. A little bit later on, so do tell your friends and family about it. Uh, scriptural, leaving no stone unturned on a Tuesday to find the truth. That if if somebody had said, we're living in the last days, and there's so much... Uh, uh, let's call it political correctness, untruths, 
plain out just lies out there. And uh, if somebody had said something somewhere that makes you think about God's word, is there any truth in what you've heard? Acts seventeen eleven says, search the scriptures yourself mm-hmm. to see if you can find mm-hmm. the answers to these uh, questions. And so this is the program where you can ask questions. Simple as that. You send us a WhatsApp. You type it out and you send it to the following number. 082-657-2729. If you've missed out on that, do not worry. We'll be repeating that telephone number throughout the program. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be tackling your program uh, during the course. We're here till 12 o'clock. It's already 11 minutes after uh, uh, 11 and uh, we'll be here until uh, 12 o'clock first question in this morning let's kick it off immediately rocky glad to have you in stereo with us this is a live broadcast and you're welcome to send in your questions why do bad things happen to good people uh, do we even find that in scripture mm. where things go terribly wrong with good people and uh, normally mankind's first reaction, I, I remember way back then you had this, uh, this artistic drawing on TV, I think they called it La Linea, this little line that looked mm. like a, a picture, and every time something goes wrong, he points a finger at the artist and he says, but, uh, you're causing this, you're causing mm. this, this why, it's why do bad things happen? To good people, Rocky. Do, yeah. do the Bible ever answer for us? Yeah, no, most definitely. I think um, that there's various nuances to a question like this. One of the easy ways to answer it would be to say there are no good people yeah. because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I think that doesn't really deal with the nuances because what we do see is we do see better people than than let's say more evil people you know you got men like cornelius in the bible who was seen as a righteous man before he even came to saving faith and he was doing good and he was doing justice and he was having mercy on on people around him you have men like job who was seen as a righteous man more righteous than all the men around him in his day and then you also have the bible teaching us a lot about innocent people in the sense that even if as you go through the book of proverbs where you see that an unjust ruler actually brings about destruction to those that are innocent in that sense and yeah. so you have children and babies and you have like my little boy judah who had um, meningitis and you wonder you know this little guy fighting this this disease and praise god in his mercy he was so kind to us he answered our prayers but there's many others that would have prayed for their little one who had meningitis and then their child dies and and that's a terrible tragedy we heard just the other day of of a of a family whose little one did die from meningitis and then as soon as they were done with the funeral from that little one their next child died also from meningitis after that and they had to have a second funeral and you think to yourself but this is how can this be and your heart is torn and i don't and i think that you just there's something wrong with you if your heart is not torn out of you when you hear a story like that or you hear of difficulty like this and then how do we comprehend this how do we work through this well we need to go back to the fall uh, for right back to Genesis chapter three, the fall and the and the consequences of sin, and the Bible teaches us that we are in a fallen world, and this is due to man's disobedience. And Romans five teaches us that we were with Adam and Eve in that sense. It, it might as well have been you and I. That we, well, we, it wouldn't have been you and I there, Vainant, because there wasn't <laughs> you know two men there. It wasn't yeah. 
um, Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. And uh, but but we, it, it might as well have been us that had fallen in that regard. And yeah. all of creation has been subjected to futility in that sense. That's why Romans eight says that all of creation is groaning for the day of redemption, because we're in a broken world. We have broken bodies. These outer bodies are fading away while the inner man is being renewed day by day. And Christians are also not exempt from being in this world and being in the the difficulties of what we face. We still have to pay bills for hospital. We still have to... We still get sick. We still have, diff- but we have a, a grand hope because for us as Christians, we have already died with Christ, yeah. and therefore we now live in Christ. I wanna, I wanna ask you a question here. You're the one that brought up babies, even little Judah that had a meningitis. Uh, there's a, a notion with mankind to point the finger towards heaven and say, if God is love, why? And we slap a question mark on this, and we're almost doing the evil one's work for him in, in, in putting a question mark on God's love when babies die. Somebody said the other day, have you been to a hospital in the oncology ward where there are babies with cancer? Mm-hmm. How can a loving God allow this? Uh, I understand when we speak about Job and, yeah. and, and these guys and Lazarus dying and, and, and all that. But how do we explain this? How, yeah. how do we say out of, out of God's word that God is still infinitely good and gracious and grateful? Yeah. And some of these things don't make as much sense to us as what we would like them to. The Bible teaches us that God is love and he is also our comfort in times of difficulty. He is with us through uh, whatever we face. And he also does give us the way of salvation. He gives us the Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross for us. And even in these situations, there is comfort for us that look to him through this. One of the other areas that I did want to touch on as well is the fact that we have got free will. There is human free will in regard to this. So there is that which is kind of inherited that brokenness of being part of the fall from Genesis chapter 3, we're in this world that is broken. You think of even the animal world that uh, often suffers much. You think of just the difficulties that many of them go through. Um, you, you know, that a lot of them are not even farmed very well and farmed badly and, yeah. and mistreated. And you, I think of our time over the um, New Year's Day and all of the firecrackers and people on our groups going, oh, my poor dog or my poor cat. And they all are suffering as a result of the fact that we're in a fallen world, but there's sinners in this fallen world as well. And so the human free will element is a worthwhile thing to touch on as well, because that also brings a lot of this brokenness in that we have sometimes, sometimes we're not at fault for it. Sometimes we are at fault for it. Sometimes we've done things as human beings that have brought about further destruction for our children and and for our grandchildren, and for our great-grandchildren. And there's an inherited brokenness that we have because of that that plane out of sin. There's a way that seems right in a man's eyes, and its end is destruction. And this is Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, because I want to give some scripture backing for this. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live. There's a choice that is there regarding life. Are we going to go God's way or are we going to go our own way? And our own way will lead to destruction. Now, that destruction plays out in so many different ways. Even when God told Adam and Eve the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, they died. 
They died spiritually. They died relationally. They started to have tensions. No longer was Adam going, wow, man. He was going, this woman you gave me, Lord. And there was already tensions there. We Cain see kills Abel. We day. see the effects all the time. Yeah. In all of these things, there's such brokenness. Joshua 24, verse 15, which is a passage people love to put on their walls. They will say, and it's one thing putting a you know a wall sticker or wall what do they call it a wall tattoo yeah. up that says as for me and my household we'll follow the Lord but then you go your own way and you just have that wall tattoo there but listen to what Joshua says and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers that served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Either you're going to magnify Christ, or you're going to magnify yourself or magnify something else. And that's that's what really matters, because there's something that's far greater than this actual life here on earth. This is but momentary, and that which we are prepared for is that which is eternal. And much of the suffering that we face even is as a with a grand purpose that the Lord has in drawing us nearer to that image of Christ. Galatians 6, 7 to 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So there we see some of that free will element in regard to some of the things that we face. For example, I know that you once were a smoker, Vaynant. You've told us that many, before. Many years and, uh, ago, yeah. and there may be some consequences as a result to that. Yes, definitely. You know, there may be consequences to your lungs or to your breathing as a result of that choice that you had made back then. But God in his mercy also allows our lungs to get a bit better. But there's many consequences that we can think about, even as listeners that are listening today. Choices that have been made that were not wise choices. Choices that were made that were not consulting God's word, but going your own direction. That have brought about some of the suffering that we face. And sadly, the suffering that we face, our children also face. And our grandchildren also face. And there's elements regarding even our testimony as Christians that is that is hampered or sometimes even in God's mercy, these difficulties that we face are used for the blessing of others, like a testimony of having turned away from smoking and turning to Christ and having left that. That becomes a testimony. And so with the comfort that we've received, we comfort others. But yes, some other reasons as well. There's also spiritual growth and testing. And that's what James 1 verse 2 to 4 encourage us regarding trials. It's an opportunity for growth. As we go through this, even for my family and myself, this last um, seven weeks has been a growing time as we've depended on the Lord. We've also had the opportunity to receive much of the love of our congregation. Benoni Bible Church has just lavished us with so much love during this, this period. We've had meals from different people in the church. I got to taste the cooking of so many of the different people because they knew that I would be uh, that I'd be terrible with feeding my boys without their help <laughs> in the the ten days that Maxine was in hospital. But we're in this broken world, but we get to see the redemptive elements of what God has done for us, yeah. and we get to see some of the relationship that we have with others as well. And so Romans eight twenty two acknowledges that all of creation is groaning under this under this weight of the brokenness that is as a result of sin and they are eagerly waiting redemption and christians also are enduring the same suffering and they have the hope of future glory and 
restitution and restoration. And that's something that's very precious, is no matter what we face as Christians, and we will face the same things that the world faces. We face it, however, with some a grand difference. We have hope. They don't. And so when you're next in that hospital room or when you're next inside of a difficulty where you've lost a loved one or a baby is sick or a baby has died, remember that you have Jesus Christ. And there's others around you that do not. And God puts us in those places. He puts us in places where we wouldn't have chosen to have necessarily been, where we're able to be a witness to those that are around us of the tremendous love that God has had for us in Jesus Christ, that Jesus, this is how we know love, that Christ went to that cruel cross on an account for us. He paid the full debt for us. And that reminds us again then of, I think, the, the final and greatest reason for some of the suffering that we face is that is Christ's example. He is the ultimate answer, and that lies with Christ and his suffering at the cross. Jesus and his sinless perfection endured immense suffering for the sake of redemption. And Christian suffering then finds a meaning in that identifying with Christ's sacrifice and his experience. And we receive even then comfort through his suffering so that we can give comfort to others as well. So that's something of a nuanced answer to a relatively complex question. And I know that the question comes sometimes from deep hurt. And I would say to anybody with deep hurt today is that you can go to the Lord Jesus and you can ask him and you can be honest with him. You don't have to hide. You know, sometimes we will think that we have some areas in our heart that are closed off from God's view and closed off from him being able to hear our thoughts. You can go to him direct and you can ask him, Lord, please help me to understand what I'm busy facing. And many a times we won't understand while we're going through the suffering that we're going through. But should we look to him, he gives us grand comfort as we face life and the difficulties that we go through. Rocky, can I come in here and ask you a question? Sometimes when things go terribly wrong as as they do in this life, and you've explained it because we live in a in a sinful world and because of our sin and our brokenness, we there's a, a almost a tendency to put Satan on an equal footing with God and say, no, this is this is Satan's work. You know, this is Satan attacking me. Um, and I want to point you to Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39. It's up on the screen there in front of you, where it says, See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death. Yeah. I bring to life. I have wounded. I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hand. Uh, God is ultimately in charge. God is God. You've said it last year many times. Satan is God, Satan. He has no right, uh, not allowed to do anything unless God allows. I I think Satan must be so very frustrated. Can you imagine that everything that you try and throw at God, God uses for his glory? I mean, in particular, you think of the cross. Satan must have been so excited when Jesus was busy being crucified and spat on and mocked, and even as those thieves on the cross were busy mocking Jesus. And then the one thief all of a sudden turns around and goes, hold on a minute, we shouldn't be mocking this man. And he tunes the other one. He says, listen, don't do that. This guy is innocent. He doesn't deserve this. And he turns to Jesus and he says, won't you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He says, well, today you'll be with me in Paris. Right there, even at that critical moment where Jesus is hanging on a cross, having to lift himself up, because he's busy um, asphyxiating, he's busy suffocating, really, on that cross. There's a man that is saved at that last moment, minute 99, that thief on the cross who we don't even know his name is saved. Can you imagine how frustrated Satan must be that 
God has always conquered. And even when it comes to somebody like Job, because that's one of the clearest examples that we have in the Bible where Satan comes before God and he starts to mock God. And he says, well, the only reason Job is serving you is because you put a hedge around him. Remove the hedge around him and then you'll see if he serves you. And right at the end, Job is still... You know, serving the Lord. Serving yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And the Lord uses the book of Job. Can you imagine? Satan must be frustrated today that we're talking about the book of Job. Mm. And and I, I can't imagine the kind of frustration that somebody like Satan must be going through. But the reality is that Satan is an adversary, and he does attack us. But the Lord uses even that in his divine kindness. And so First Peter 5 verse 8 will even talk about his role as this roaring lion. He roams around. He seeks somebody that he will devour. All and right. there's times that we might even put ourselves in Satan's place where yeah. we've stepped out of that shield wall of faith. And even there, the Lord will use that because there's even a mention that Paul has of handing him over to Satan so that he may learn not to blaspheme. There's times where even church discipline involves Satan and Satan is used by God to teach an individual to not blaspheme God. And you actually see that in second Corinthians, it would seem second Corinthians five, that the very person that was church disciplined back in first Corinthians comes back to the church. And they said, lest he has like shame upon shame or sorrow upon sorrow, Invite him back. Bring him back into the congregation. And so Satan has a purpose underneath God's scheme of sovereignty, yet Satan is not outside of time. Yeah. You know, he's a created being. He's in one place at one time. He has minions in that sense because he's got a third of heaven's angels that fell with him. But there's much that Satan does do. And so you might be correct in saying, well, Satan did this to me. But at the same time, Satan might not have done that to you. Maybe yeah. you did it to yourself because that's what we talked on earlier about free will. There's a liberty that you have. God has given us the liberty, even while we're seated in this room. Um, Vainant, if you felt like it, you could get up or you could turn around and you could run flat out into the wall yeah. because you have the liberty to do that. God has given you a level of control over your body, but that's really not going to be good for you. And it won't be good for me neither because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to do CPR that well, you know, but, but it, we have liberty in that yeah. regard. Yeah. And some of the consequences that we face is just simply we did something dumb. And yeah, we, can't, well, we can't put that onto smoking. Satan now yeah, and be yeah. like, well, Satan made me do it. No. And I think that that is a terrible excuse too often. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's something that's more, I think, more prevalent to us. And we have three major enemies as Christians. When we're born again, we have the enemy of Satan, of course, because he is the accuser of the saints. And he actually lives to right now accuse us. And he'd be right about, about most of the things he accuses us on other than through Jesus Christ. The fact that we're in Christ has set us free from that. But then we also have the world that is our enemy. That is our foe as well. And we sometimes underestimate that. We don't realize that the very world is under the, the, the control of Satan in that sense. He's seen as the small G God of this mm-hmm. world and is controlling all of the world that is around us. The lust of the and, eyes, and he the uses lust of the flesh. this yeah. to, to try and actually attack the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he's over many of the governments of our world that have yeah. not bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. That's why Psalm 2 is such a critical psalm that comes to mind. But then the biggest enemy that I think that we underestimate the most most is self. the enemy of the self, yeah. the flesh. And when we are born again, we are one person with two natures. We once were just one nature, the nature of sin and self. Now we have this born again nature that's after Christ. And we need to be putting off the flesh daily, dying to the flesh, putting on the new, well, renewing the spirit of the mind, and then putting on Christ. And that fleshliness inside of us can sometimes be such a huge drain on us. 
And, and we must recognize that enemy so that we do not go our own way. Because sadly, even a Christian can decide to go their own way instead of God's way as he is revealed through his word by his Holy Spirit. I, I know we need to move on, but uh, I, I, I can't go help. Romans but, 7. Is it no. Romans 7? Yes. How do we explain this where, where, where Paul says, for what I do is, is not the good, what I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Does that exonerate us from, from this? Yeah, no, definitely not. doesn't exonerate at all because we are responsible. Yeah. Uh, we are responsible for the sin that we have committed and we're responsible for the consequence that we receive as a result of that sin. Yeah. And sadly, like I mentioned earlier, is that our sin is it's, it's such a cancerous thing. It actually affects the people around us. It affects yeah, the it relationships. Does. And you just think about how sin affects a relationship with your immediate neighbor. Your immediate neighbor is your wife. Yeah. You know, and when you've sinned and how that affects her or how her sin affects you and how that affects your children. There's sometimes, I mean, for example, when I was growing up, I mean, I've got a, you can see I've got a little bit of redness in my beard. That's yeah. because my dad was born with a really red head and lots of freckles because of an Irish mom and uh, temper would be blamed on being Irish. You know? right. So well, you're you, going to excuse. Yeah, well, you know, I just I'm Irish. Yeah. There's my Irish that's yeah. coming out. Irish and Irish. you learn something of that as a child and you yeah. start to realize, well, when I got a temper and I just feel like, you know, smacking somebody or headbutting somebody, well, it's Irish. Yeah. What can I say? Yeah. Um, it's the Irish. In me. Well, sometimes even that, you know, we can we can inherit some of these things that are almost this trait even that can be attributed to that. Oh, well, you're just a brawler. You know, you're just yeah. a fighter. You're just yeah. a... But actually, this is something we're responsible for because nobody made me do that. I chose to do yeah, that. Yeah. And, and especially now as a Christian, when you're not a Christian, you actually, you know, by God's kindness, you're not as bad as what you could be. Because can you imagine? Um, God actually holds us back even when we were unsaved. I can think of instances where I didn't do some wicked things that I intended to do when I wasn't yet saved. And you wonder to yourself, why didn't I do that? Well, God in his mercy held me back from that. That's yeah. what the Holy Spirit does. He's the restrainer. He restrains us from that. But then you think to yourself, like, there's there's no excuse for this. And even Paul, and this he builds that up in Romans 7 until Romans 8, chapter 1, where he says, there's therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Part of the very victory that we have over sin mm. is what Jesus has accomplished for us, which is full atonement for every single sin, whether past, present, or future. And when you know that you've been set free to that degree, yeah. how can you go and just carry on sin? And it's like a pastor said this past uh, Sunday, it's not you that's so fancy and great, it's God looking at Christ Jesus yeah. uh, and the complete atonement that he has done, the justification, the sanctification that he has done. Right, the, the number, oh wait, two, six, five, Seven two seven two nine. Why do good uh, people uh, suffer? Bad things happen to good people. Uh, walking away from that one, bless your heart. Oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine. If you've got a question, you can send it through to us. Let me just check with Rocky here if he's uh, ready for the next one. He yeah. says, "Let's go for it." Matthias, bless your heart. He says, "Is there a biblical prescription?" For parents in choosing the name of their baby. We have a special insert here on a uh, daily basis, Monday to Friday, where we celebrate birthdays and we're looking at the meaning of somebody's name, bless him with a prophetic word, and then shower him with a whole lot of messages from loved ones. So, is there a biblical prescription 
for parents in choosing the name of their baby. What is your understanding? Yeah, so, so the Bible doesn't Scripture. have any place where it says thou shalt choose a biblical name for your child. Oh, so right. there's no prescription as per se, but we do see many instances where the names, even in the Scriptures, have tremendous significance, such meaning. And they were chosen with purpose. And so I think if we were to take something of the 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 biblical example for us, we would also want to choose names with significance, with meaning, and we would want to do that with purpose. We would want to give thought to that. God wants us to be thoughtful people. I think even when it comes to the choosing of the name of a child, even for us with uh, now with Judah, I mean, of yeah. course, we had uh, Levi, Simeon, Judah. Those yeah. are three out of the four sons of Leah um, with, uh, you know, Isaac. Yeah, right. um, and, and, and that was Oh, sorry, uh, Jacob, my bad. Uh, getting right. Isaac and Jacob mixed up there <laughs> with Jacob. And uh, he had Leah, and she was the unloved wife. Um, she had an eyesight problem. and um, But it seems like he had the eyesight problem because he never realized how much he was tricked by his father-in-law when he had Leah in his tent instead of Rachel. And um, and there, there she was unloved by her husband. And so as she has these children, she names them with specific meaning. And by the time she gets to Judah, she just says, well, I will just, I will praise the Lord. And that's the meaning of the name Judah. And so even when we choose that name for our little boy, we're thinking about just praising the Lord. But he also has a New Testament second name, Luke. So it's Judah Luke Stevenson. And my youngest brother's name is Luke as well. And that, um, that, that means you know, light giver. And so we praise the light giver. We praise God. And so when we think through that. When the Bible says, I have called you by your name, yeah. uh, even before the foundations of the earth That's was a good laid, reference. Yes. God knew that little Judah would be called Judah. his mom and dad, yes. Maxine. And, isn't that amazing? And, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, you just see God's sovereignty even under man's responsibility because he allowed us to be the parents of Judah. Yeah. Judah didn't say to us, I'd like to be named Judah, please. Um, I never, you know, I was teasing, uh, I said to my wife the other day, the next time somebody asks me if Rocky is your real name, I'm going to say to them, no, my real name is Crocky, but I don't really like Crocky, so just <laughs> please call me Rocky. You know, but, but I never got to choose that. My, yeah. my dad got to choose that. And there's something special about that because you do see an element of he was thoughtful in that. He liked that name. Yeah. He thought through that name. He debated that name with my mom, and she said, you can't call your son Rocky. You've got to at least give a John to it. So I'm Rocky John, yeah. and that's because of my parents. And I think there's something beautiful about that in a sense. But I do think we should have meaningful names for our children. And so in the Bible, names often convey meaning in reflecting circumstances that surround a person's birth or various. And I think there's, there's, it's good to give that thought. For example, you have Isaac means laughter. Because Sarah named him Isaac because she laughed when yeah. God said, you're going to have a child. And that was then Genesis 21, 6. But then there's also the historical context and the cultural context. We have a different, different cultures. I know um, a lot of the Afrikaans speaking folk will, will give the name of the the father or the grandfather, yeah, and that will become culture, it. And, yeah. and sometimes you'll Big even John, have little John, 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 whatever. Yes, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes you'll even have uh, multiple names. Yeah. You know, you'll have maybe four first names before you get to your surname because mm -hmm. it's kind of the last couple of fathers, etc. So and there's a lot in a name. There's a lot Rocky. in a name. Yeah, Big time. I mean, God Himself said, "You shall be called Jesus. He shall be called Counselor. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, yeah, and and God honors His name. Yes, um, 
you know, he, he honors his name above all. And yeah. his name is intricately connected with who he is. So it is important to God, a, a name. We yeah. have to think on this. No, definitely. Uh, you know, I was just even thinking now when you when you said that I had um, one of the men in our church that listens to us on Skriftilik. He asked me on Sunday. So I have a question now for Vainant actually because he said, now when is Vainant going to come and visit Benoni Bible Church so we can <laughs> meet him? Now, of course, when he says that, yeah. I immediately know who he's talking about. Yeah. Because he's talking about Vainant, and yeah. I know who Vainant is, and the yeah. person of Vainant, yeah. and I know who you know where he works and why he works. Now there's other Vainants uh, around. I mean, yeah. I met a butcher, by the way, also named Vainant. I don't think I told you, but I was um, I was at a butcher and I was getting some some drivers, and his name's Vainant. So I said, Ah, man, I have got another friend Vainant <laughs> as <Yeah>. well, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and so so there's different Vainants, but that Vainant, when somebody speaks about him, they'll know who he is. Yeah. You know? And sometimes somebody might ask a clarifying question. Well, which Vainant are you talking about? Or yeah. which Rocky are you talking about? Well, that Rocky or that Vainant. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we will be the husband of this wife. And the, our children will be these children. So the name is tremendously important. But there's no specific place where there's a, let's say, a biblical mandate that says you have to call your child this. Um, but and the Bible clarified that in a certain sense, because I'm thinking of David, the man after God's own heart. Uh, the Bible would say David, the son of Isai, uh, just to clarify yes. it, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and we emphasize have that. it. Yeah, definitely. It's you know, not just do, your name; it's your dad's name as well. It is amazing how how often you find the names actually just correlating with the kind of person that that person is yes. you know yeah. um people have asked me as well before well what does your name mean well it means like a mountainous like a rocky mountain <laughs> that, yeah, that's yeah. it like there's no real there's no real other than like the the rockiness of something um but you know but but you find that so often the very names of people actually have some kind of a significance into who they are. In particular, in the Old Testament, actually, when you're looking at some of the Old Testament Hebrew names in yeah. particular, you find just it is amazing to actually see uh, just the ways. And then God also changing names yeah. as well. Um, Jacob, for uh, again, it comes to mind, and he was the deceiver. You know, yeah. now his name gets yeah. changed to Israel. Yeah. Um, and you just see God's mercy even over people with various names, etc. Yeah, there were people even in Bible called birth in pain, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, or Ichabod, you know, where Ichabod, you have uh, the, glory, the glory has departed. Wow. I mean, what a name. You know, the, name. the mom dies after childbirth. Just after, I mean, she goes into shock and therefore has the child because... You know, her father-in-law, Eli, has just died falling off backwards on his chair because he wow. was quite a fat guy and, and advanced in years. And he breaks his neck, but his two sons um, die in battle with the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. And this lady, as she's dying, calls her son Ichabod because the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. And wow. she says, the glory has departed. Yeah. And that man's name, the rest of his life, imagine that. You know, you, you your know, birth is marked by that occasion. Mm, just thinking on the name Judas, you know. Yeah. Just the connotation immediately when you yeah. hear the name Judas. We don't go around calling yes. our children Judas. Yeah, and that's it? that's why I call my son Judah, not Judas. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, and actually, as you say yeah. that, you know, the book of Jude, one of the shortest books in the Bible, just one chapter towards the end, Jude and Revelation, right at the end of our Bible, that Jude was also named Judas. Um, wow. You know, the half yeah. brother of Fairly, Jesus. Yeah. But Fairly we don't true. call him Judas now. We just yeah. call him Jude. We just yeah. took the us away yeah. because yeah, yeah. we we just we call him Jude. But his name was actually Judas. Right. Sum um, it up for us. So no scripture that says thou shall call thy son. 
yeah. uh, according to the Word of God. But I, but I do think that yeah. there is example yeah. as far as just being thoughtful, uh, being, uh, you know, being somebody that gives time and thought and effort to these things. Um, strangely enough, as well, that these days people can actually go and change their name as well. We yes. actually did that with our second born um, because, well, let's say second born, our second son, uh, who we adopted, Simeon. And as we had his adoption papers, you go to Home Affairs and you actually have to get a document to yeah. change the name. Yeah. And then he receives a different birth certificate. All right. And so his name has changed. Um, right. you know. there, is, there is a notion amongst Christians as well, when they become reborn to change their names, is that scriptural? Because I had somebody saying to me, well, I'm called this now because God changed Abraham's name. The names in the Bible, thou shall be called this now. Saul, that became Paul. It's now, pers- scriptural. Personal answer, I think that's just a little bit funny. But... Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've come across some guys that have done that before, and you just like. But that's oh, not a man. biblical instruction you know, either. It's not a biblical instruction either, and and I think you know I had an interesting question, and I guess maybe uh, we become the question answer person. As I was just before coming into studio, uh, I bumped into one of the staff, one of the brothers here at Radio Pulpit, and he said, uh, "You know what's God saying for 2024?" And yeah. my answer was, well, the same thing he said in 2023. Yeah. He says, well, what is that? I said, well, Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> Simple as <laughs> you know, yeah. God is still, he's the same God. He said the same thing. Have and, said um, it and nothing's but, but changed. I guess why I'm segueing on that is that God has given us Genesis to Revelation. We've got everything that we need in his word. Yeah. Yeah. And um, look, I think if you have a name that, that actually you find gives dishonor to the Lord, let's yeah. say that you were named uh, Zeus for example, mm. and that's a false god, and you were named as a false god because your your family named you after that false god because they were worshiping that false god, and and you might have this sometimes amongst the um, you know the African folk in our country as well. Sometimes they may be named after an ancestor, and it was there was ancestral worship that was involved with with why that person received that name. You know, then I think there's a there's some credence towards yeah. possibly taking another name. Right. But you know, let's say I'm I'm Rocky and then I get born again and now I just call myself Stony. I mean I, I just think I think sometimes we can be a little bit um, Taking it uh, almost attention-seeking yeah. somehow yeah. in yeah. some of the things that yeah. we do. Yeah. Why not Would you have done it if there was nobody else around you? If it was just you, you alone? Uh, somebody said, what is the reason? Why did you buy that car? To impress people or was it really because… Yeah, and I think we, yeah. we would need to look at some of the motives. Yeah. And, the and, motive, maybe, yeah. and I think that's maybe a nuanced answer to that is what is the motive behind mm, now the changing of your name? All right. Um, yeah. Right, super stuff. Walking away from that, bless your heart. Thank you so much. What an interesting uh, question. Is there a biblical prescription for parents in choosing the names of uh, their baby? Jan Els, uh, grandchild's been born this morning, little Lana, and he was all about it on this morning. Hey, it is what quarter to twelve. You tune to Scriptural, and if you want to get your question in on time, you better do so quickly. We've uh, got about ten, twelve minutes left. Ikasa says you have to play some music as well we want to adhere to the authorities over us so we'll be back right after this ad camp with a song called overwhelm me and in the meantime get your questions to us still got some brilliant questions lined up for you conrad i see you there on whatsapp bless your heart thank you so much oh wait two six five seven two seven two nine Come and ask your questions share your concerns experiencing life on six five seven a.m 
give your faith wings. Explore life with 657 AM. 657 AM. That's where you tune to. Warm hearted good morning broadcasting live from our studios. Kilner Park in Pretoria, 42 Jacoba Street. And busy with the program Scriptural where you can ask your questions and we delve with you in God's Word. Try and find the answers to those questions that you've sent through to us. Conrad, time is running out with us. You've made a promise that you'll be up next morning. Van and Rocky in regards to Amos 9.13, Matt 24.32, Mark 13 and verse 20. Here's the question. Can we see something in these verses regarding time that seems to go by so quickly in a flash of an eye? It's Mm. over and done with. What do we answer, Conrad? Yeah, I, I do think that you can see something of, as you look at these verses in correlation with each other, you can see something of the time element. Amos nine thirteen says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with it. Now, that's talking about a specific time that is coming in the future. Now, we would need to go into Amos a little bit more and to see some of Amos's prophecies regarding, in particular, the millennial kingdom of Christ. But then you have Matthew twenty-four thirty-two, which says, From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. And so he's giving us an encouragement there through the fig leaf or fig tree to illustrate the discerning of signs, as well as including um, the fact that there's a season that is busy changing. You can know about the seasons through just watching the fig tree, and you can learn from this that you should be discerning as individuals to see the way that seasons change. And then Mark thirteen twenty it says, And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Now, that's talking about the the seven-year tribulation period and the fact that God had had shortened that period. God was merciful towards that. So, indeed, all of these verses are dealing with something of regard to time, prophetic elements, the fact that there's time coming. Uh, Today, we will never get back again. Tomorrow's coming uh, as well. And so, Jesus speaks about the urgency of his return, in particular there in Mark 13.20, the idea of shortening the days, suggesting that swift resolution would be found Um, but when it comes to just the fact that time is busy passing I mean we can think about a number of passages that we are are called towards within God's word and we're told even in Moses's psalm which is Psalm 90 which is an interesting psalm to go and study because he lived 120 years and he says you know man will live about 70 if he's strong you know if he's um 80 if he's very strong. strong. And then in Psalm 90 verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so we should be a people that are discerning regarding time. And so I guess in a short nutshell, yes, those passages do touch on something of time. And it is important for us to be a people that are discerning regarding the time that we that we face and and the lives that the the place that we're in i think it's great to actually just be able to see biblical prophecies starting to unfold before our very eyes with some of the things in the world and i think for the christian we should be a people that are discerning regarding what we're going through i've been touching on that with our congregation back at home and just saying look i mean like we're probably heading for more difficult times even in 2024 with regard to where the world is going and for the christian we don't need to be afraid we can be discerning and we can discern what's happening around us we 
can look at things with a different lens. You know, I mean, when we even read uh, different news reports from around the world, we don't look at it from the propagandist perspective. We look at it as Christians with a sanctified biblical worldview. And we look at this and we go, well, our Lord is still sovereign over this. And we're, we're called for such a time as this. And, and, you know, one of the wonderful verses, and I can't remember exactly where it is now off the top of my head, but where it talks about how David served the Lord in his generation. And yeah. so he went to be with his fathers. Now, that's what we are to do. We're to serve the Lord in our generation because God has called us to live for his glory now. And we need to discern the times and the seasons that are around us in such a way that we can bring biblical wisdom to bear for what we face. And God says in his word, a thousand years is like one day. Yeah. And one day like a thousand years. God outside of the time fabric, isn't it? Yep. Then again, uh, yeah, well, seize the moment. The Bible, the Bible says... Today is the day of salvation, right here, right now, Mm -hmm. which bears the question, have you been spiritually rebirthed? Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you come to that place where you accepted God as Lord, King, and Savior, Master over your life? You will know the answer to that. We can fool one another uh, and learn Christianese and try and get away with it, but God knows our hearts and knows whether you are discerning the time whether you accepted him as master of your life. Just a sideline remark. Uh, Rocky, thank you so much for that one, Conrad. Uh, thank you. Wonderful scriptures there. Amos 9.13, Matthew 24.32, and Mark 13.20. Time is catching up with us. Ruth Walsh, she says, hi, this is Ruth. I want to know if Christians can listen to non-Christian songs or must we only listen to uh, Christian music? And Dion, right on top of her, right on the uh, on her heels, came in with, "Can you play maybe Jesus Take the Wheel" by Carrie Underwood? So, what do we answer? Can yeah. can we listen to secular music as so, well? So, the the answer is you can, but should you? And I think that's a a, a wise well, there's way. Well, opera music. There's yeah, that's, op- and that you know, would be something. a wise way of just thinking through it. Yeah. You can. You have the liberty. You have the freedom. And let me read. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9 it says be glad young man I mean, oftentimes, who's the ones debating about music? Yeah, Usually it's the young, young ones, isn't young it? One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is be, be glad, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be merry during the days of your young manhood, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. Wow. So there's the, the, the caveat. Mm. You do what you like. Mm. But remember, remember, you've got to give an account for these things. And <laughs> yeah. so you can, but should you? And we have the liberty that we have as Christians. We have got freedom in Christ. But then I, I would give some just a few hints on this, a content as well as the influence. Some, some Christians will avoid certain music. Why? Because of the very things that are said in the music. And yeah. that's wise. That's good to avoid mm. things that are said. To actually think about what are the words that are. Now, you, can, you might be listening to an opera song that you have no idea what yeah. the person is busy singing or heavy about. metal and got you, no, idea. Have no idea too. I think that opera and heavy metal basically are the same thing. I was just pushing, thing. pushing They're the same the thing, limit. just on two separate spectrums. I was just pushing yeah. the limit. Yeah. Um, and but but you know, they're the content as well as the influence. So we we ought to prioritize music that aligns with biblical values yeah. and promotes positive messages from God's word. We want to hear good things. That's one of the ear gates, you know, as, as um, 
I think it was Lewis, um, C.S. Lewis, talks about the different gates, the eye gate, yeah. the ear gate, the nose gate. You know, that's the ear gate. What are you letting in in your ear? But then remembering that we do have freedom in Christ. Uh, John 17, verse 14 to 16 is a passage that comes to mind regarding some of that, where we are called to be in this world, but not of this world. But that's not an excuse for us then being in this world to actually just go ahead with whatever we yeah. have. But then discernment, I would say, is a very key thing. And I want to turn to a passage here quickly, Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 8, because that's really the filter through which we should always think. And this is something whatever that is pure, whatever yes, is you know, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is dignified, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise consider these things Mm. now you can't tell me that when you're listening to music that you just put yourself into zombie mode and you never actually hear these things and think about these things you are susceptible to think about the things that you listen to and so that needs to fit through this filter of philippians 4 verse 8 and that would be my answer i guess in a nutshell is go and see what is it that i'm listening to is it actually fitting with the filter of what God's Word teaches? Time to love and leave you. Thank you so much, uh, Rocky Stevenson. Somebody wants to write you a letter, be in touch with you, uh, maybe looking for a church. Where uh, where can they get all of They're you? They're welcome to do that at um, pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Next week, God willing, you can hear we're back in alive again. It's such a privilege to serve the Lord here behind the microphone. And thank you. For your questions, thank you for listening. Thank you for praying with us. South Africa, desperately in need of prayer. Hey, He is the Waymaker. He is our Lord and Savior. We proclaim unashamedly, Jesus is God. If you want to say what's in the name, there you have it. No other name been given unto mankind by which he wants us to be saved. Rocky, drive home safely. Regards to the family. Thank you. Thank you so much for a wonderful morning.